Hello and happy Sunday. If you are up this bright and early and you have tuned into Weightless and Mind, Body and Spirit, well, you are in the right place. Let's sit back and take a moment to welcome in the day. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going Well, welcome and good morning to you. You're on Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. You know me, doubly board certified in family medicine, obesity medicine, and your master movement meditation and mindset coach, two-time best-selling author. My book, Baby So Proud of Meditation in a Time of Madness, a guidebook for talented teens, tweens, their parents and guardians who need to thrive, and also my journal for the grown folk, a 90-day journal journal, also called Meditation in a Time of Madness. And I am so excited and honored and privileged to be bringing you today's conversation, which really is centered around food activism and something that has been created right here in my home community, but I don't think it's going to stay home. I think it is, 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 is going to spread and it's going to have a global reach because we are talking about eradicating food deserts, food and nutrition insecurity. So my guests are waiting backstage and I'm going to bring them forward in a moment. But just a reminder that in Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit, this is for educational and informational purposes only. We are not diagnosing or treating any kind of disease process, although we might refer to that and we might be bringing information forward to you so that you can discuss this with your healthcare professionals. Let's, as always, we have these early birds. Let's see who's here and let's say good morning um, before I bring begin to bring my guests back forward. So, so and yes, darling DM is recuperating. He came through his surgery very successfully yesterday. So thank you for, oh my goodness, the 300 of you yesterday that were giving shout outs and sending messages of support. Deep, deep, deep gratitude. Hey, good morning, Rebecca, hashtag meditation nation and beloved community. So Rebecca is one of our esteemed mental health professionals 
in the community. And we are always so excited. She's been a guest on the show and she'll be coming back in season seven, I hope. Good morning, Patricia. It's a beautiful sunny day in New Jersey. Yes, it is. Good morning, Victoria. So Patricia is just you know, a longtime friend and supporter of the show. Victoria is one of our nation's esteemed occupational therapists, dear, dear, dear friend of the family and the founder of an organization. And she's going to be a guest on the show because we're going to talk about a project, a medical school project in the Gambia. And food activism is a part of that project as well. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. And good morning and welcome, Emma. Yes, West Philly is in the house. Hashtag Meditation Nation. And yes, and Rebecca, of course, you're going to come back on the show. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Oh my goodness. So many stories here. So many stories here. So I am going to bring my guest on the show. Good morning, Carla. Glad to see you this morning. It is so important that we begin to under understand about what is going on in terms of the food industry, food insecurity, nutrition insecurity. And I think that's really the, the bigger topic here today. But I just, and I, you know me, I always like to, you know, when I'm sharing people's accolades, I always like to bring them on camera so we can kind of watch them blush a little bit. Ah, uh, good morning, Shani Love, and good morning, Marion Harrell. So we're all excited. So listen, audience, you are so fantastic. I want you to get ready to ask your questions and your comments to put them in the chat as always. So without further ado, you're going to see one beautiful lady, a committed individual. She's on the road working in her mission in life because you know all all these folk are working all the time so you see the beautiful robin klein the just the fantastic magnificent courtney byrne the oh my god the equally magnificent the stunning the scintillating tracy stewart and finally finally the sensational sharda love so let me tell sharda jetwani love so let me tell you about why these people are here. You know, I'm sort of a, a purpose, uh, a driven per person. You know, my purpose in life is to know and love God and to invite others into that conversation. So everything I do, I do from the center of my purpose in life. And when I'm not acting in the center of the purpose of my life, oh, that's when, that's when things get, you know, cray cray. However, that, that centering piece is, you know, it's the center feature of the person of my life, you know, deep compassion and deep love for all of humanity. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has stated that people can be like stained glass windows. Stained glass windows are so beautiful when the sun rises and they're lit and the reflection of the light in the sun. However, when the night comes, it is only when they are lit from within that we get to really fully appreciate their enduring beauty. And I can tell you that everybody on this screen right now is lit from within. 
They have an enduring beauty. They're tapped into universal joy. Their spirits shine brightly and are cast before them, even before they enter a room. And I love these women and will go anywhere and do anything for them, with them, because they are lit from within and they live in the center of the purpose of their own lives. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. And we have as our first guest, Robin Klein, who is the founder and president of the Fashion Retail Group, a boutique real estate firm specializing in implementation and growth of business for existing and emerging brands. I would love to have a business conversation with Robin <laughs> Klein. Robin devotes much of her time to several local nonprofit organizations and foundations. Following years of volunteering with Lunch Break, she joined the board in 2020 and is also co-chair of their capital campaign as well as serving on several committees. She's a trustee of the Riverview Medical Center Foundation, is on the executive board of trustees at the Count Basie Center for the Arts, is president of the board for Open Heart Yoga, and is a founding board member of Parents with a Plan. Following with her passion for health and wellness, Robin, along with her husband, John, are actively involved in supporting and raising funds for the Umbui Community Center and School in Rwanda. This center has become an essential lifeline to the Rwandan people. Robin has a dedicated passion for protecting and saving animals. She is part of the International Rescue Group, No Dogs Left Behind, an organization saving dogs from torture and death from illegal dog trafficking in Asia. Asia. I'll stop there. Robin's <laughs> accolades are many and welcome and thank you so much for being here. And I know people that are here watching this morning are meeting you for the first time. So next we have Tracy Stewart, who is the founder of Hey Friend Foundation. Tracy Stewart is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Do Unto Animals, a friendly guide to how animals live and how we can make their lives better. Together with her husband, John Stewart, Tracy founded Hey Friend Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to fighting against nutrition insecurity and promoting a whole foods plant forward diet. And we have along with Tracy, we have Courtney Byrne. She is the director of education for Hey Friend Foundation. Courtney utilizes her background in education to create programming that promotes the mission of Hey Friend Foundation. And does she ever Courtney cracks the whip. But anyway, that's another story. The <laughs> Foundation is dedicating to promoting healthy, sustainable and kind living. I love that. Y'all hear that? And kind living. Its mission is to unite community leaders and other like-minded organizations to better serve communities in need and alleviate nutrition insecurity. And last but not least, so welcome, Courtney. We have Sharda Jetwani Love. She was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. I can't, I can't, can't quite believe She's a Southern girl, but anyway. <laughs> And she currently lives in New Jersey. Um, Sharda is the program director at Lunch Break, <sighs> located in Red Bank. And she's been almost 10 years with the organization. So she's there truly for the long haul. Her love to serve humanity has never failed. 
prior to lunch break, Sharda was in the school, um, she was an in-school coordinator um, for the Alonzo Morning Overtown Youth Center in Miami, Florida. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, ladies. Yay! So we're, we're going to get started. Oh, we have another person joining in and saying good morning. So yes, Diana Rios, good morning, good morning, and welcome. So we're going to get started. Started The question of the day, and I'll, Robin, I'll start with you, and we're going to go in that order. Why food? What what drew you to this story that, you know, here we are, you know, living in, you know, different bodies, different places and stages. How did we all find ourselves together this oh, Dr. morning? Well, Dr. Penn, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. Um, you know, the tremendous respect I have for you, this group that we've um, brought together through lunch break. Um, to be a part of is um, humbling to say the least. So thank you very much. Um, what brought me to this? I would say, first of all, I probably didn't think much about food. I ate, um, I was an athlete, uh, you know, throughout school and had to, you know, keep my energy up with my food. Um, in gymnastics, it was a lot of carbs. And um, I hate to say, I probably didn't pay attention much. You know, I was healthy and um, something I just took for granted. And as I started getting more involved with my animal activism, that drew me to a plant-based diet and something that um, I really thought I better start paying attention to what I'm putting in my body, um, what's going to keep me healthy and energized. And as I tried to stay active, as you start entering your 60s, which I am, realizing that maybe uh, things will start slowing down. So even more important for me to pay attention to my health and nutrition. And so that's really what started me down this journey of, um, I, again, I come back to really paying attention to what's in our food, what we're putting in our bodies, and um, what that means for everything else around us. Beautiful. So thank you for that response. So let's move on to Tracy. What brings you to this journey? Uh, well, you know, you, you had mentioned, um, you know, our food stories and also again, Dr. Penn, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for inviting us here. And whenever you talk about us, I think we all feel a lot better we feel more motivated and more inspired than ever. So thank you. Um, but when it comes to food for me, you know, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys. And, um, it, you know, when I was young, it was my, my diet was guided by my love of animals. I used to be a veterinary technician. Um, so it was just easy for me to understand that I wanted to eat a vegetarian diet. Um, when I started to do the research for my book, Do Unto Animals, um, I started to also expand my knowledge base to understand what was happening within the food system um, and with uh, factory farms. And, and then that made me realize, um, you know, I probably could do even better. And I, I switched to um, what at the time I called a vegan diet. 
Um, and then I, I actually realized once I was eating a vegan diet, it seemed as though people didn't want to have dinner with me as much. And, <laughs> and I, I like people. So, um, you know, I think what's happened over the last few years is realizing that um, my own personal story um, can be beneficial to other people when I come at it from a very positive way. And that um, what we put in our body for people is, you know, so sacred and so individual. Uh, and I think as I started to learn more, um, I realized that I had access to a lot of good information, to great doctors, to great nutritionists, to great dietitians. And I felt as though that information should be able to be accessed by more people. And, um, and so, you know, it, it, just to make a long story short, you know, that's in a nutshell how um, this simmered into uh, working with Lunch Break uh, and on our nutrition initiatives. So we'll get into that. Yes, wonderful. So, Courtney, what is your personal food story? And be sure, make, we want to make sure you are unmuted. And as we said, Robin is on the road. Looks like she lost her signal, but she will join us as she can. Hi, Dr. Penn. Again, I will add to thanks for having us here. Thanks for giving us this forum to talk about this important issue. Um, you know, when you first asked me that question, my initial reaction is, how did I end up here? Well, it's part accident. <laughs> but then I got to really thinking about it and kind of went back to my early days and my relationship with food. And I know a lot of people can relate to, I'm of Italian-American descent. So food is linked to your identity and your celebrations as a family. So, you know, we had meat lasagna with our turkey on Thanksgiving. We had meat lasagna with our beef at Christmas. We had meat lasagna with our ham at Easter. And that was the focal point of our celebration all my life. It just was my normal. And it was fine most of the time. But the other thing that kind of intersected with this was there were two golden rules around food and they were try everything and clear your plate. And I'm sure other people can relate to that too. So there was all this like showing of love connected to what you chose and what you consumed. And, you know, you can imagine weight management became an issue for me at a very young age. And <laughs> when you break it down, I got to thinking like the only time in my childhood that you could eat intuitively was when you were an infant. <laughs> Beyond that, you had to sit at that table and clear that plate. I became a master at ways to feed my dog underneath the table. <laughs> but the connection was that I was out of control around food. My sense of control didn't come until I left home and went to college. And I remember I went to um, a seminar, a philosophy seminar about um, vegetarianism and a light bulb went off in my head. Like I always resented having to eat the beef and having to clear my plate and having to do this. And I thought, I'm becoming a vegetarian. And I realized when I went back into my family setting, although they looked at me like I was strange and weird, it gave me carte blanche. It gave me permission to say no to things. And I was like, I felt empowered. <laughs> like, oh, 
I'm making the choice for the food I want to access. And I have this power now. And I thought, you know, with lunch break, just because you are in need, you should not sacrifice that power. You know, we should all have that. And so I love that I fell into this because I kind of did um, working with Hey Friend Foundation. But I realized that I bring something to it because I think this affects my personal journey. I think it affects everyone. And if we can empower people to have access to healthy, nutritious food, we're doing wonders for the community. Well said, well said, well said. Now, Sharda, what about you? What's your personal story? And if anybody wants to drop in the chat a question or perhaps your journey with food, your food relationship story, we'll share that with the audience as well. Sharda. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Dr. Penn. And good morning to the ladies. Um, Appreciate your energy today. Thank you. So for me, it was um, age 10. I was a frequent visitor at, we go to the temple, the Hare Krishna temple on Ponce in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, and going to Sunday school there, learning about um, reading the Bhagavad Gita and realized I I came home one day and it's like, I don't want to eat meat anymore. So we stopped, I stopped eating hot dogs. You know, if you go to Atlanta, the varsity is the hot spot, right? It's the hot dog spot, the onion rings and the French fries. It was so (laughs) yummy. But for me, at such a young age, to be able to be exposed to that through my spiritual journey, I look back and I was like, wow, you know, what 10-year-old is going to tell their parents, I don't want to eat meat anymore. Um, and But it didn't, it wasn't, there was no pushback in my family because my dad had been a vegetarian for quite some time and is still a vegetarian. And he's in his 70s. Um, so I carried that through and became a chicka turkitarian someone that eats chicken and turkey. Yes, I call it chicka turkitarian. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then I'll do some salmon. But um, it wasn't until I was in college at Georgia State University. Um, I always watched what I ate. And then when it came to brownies and cookies, I was just, that was my weakness, right? And it still is. But um, it wasn't until I came to college where I met um, Dr. She was a physician, a physician's assistant, Dr. Um, Deborah Adams, who exposed me to eat right for my blood type. Mm. So I read up on it. I researched, and this was back in the nineteen nineteen ninety, so about two thousand. I met her, and my world just turned upside down. I started going to health food stores. By then I had a job so I could purchase, you know, food, the kind of expensive food that I uh, wasn't able to afford in high school. But um, it just brought me to a whole different understanding about my body and the food that I ate and um, what was good for us as blood type B um, and just being a healthy person. Uh, I do have my setbacks, but when we were doing our plant-based challenge, uh, over the summer with a group, it solidified that when I eat healthier, it just makes me feel so much better, right? And so this is this has been my journey since the age of ten, um, and it's just it's a nice nice um, opportunity to be able to share this with my daughter and my family as well. So it's a journey. 
It's never ending. Absolutely. It is. I, I feel like this is because food is the thing, you know, we can't do without nutrition, right? We can't do without. And I count air and water as part of nutrition. So our first nutrition is the air that we breathe. Um, second nutrition is the water that we drink. And finally, the third nutrition where we put a lot of emphasis is the solid foods that we consume. But when you think about the threes, what's the most important nutrition that you take into your body? It's actually the air you breathe. We can only live about three minutes without air. And that would that's on the far end. We can live about three days without hydration or water. So there's the second most important, but we can live about three weeks without, you know, solid food that we put in our body. And so for me, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, it's also about sustainability on the planet, because if we don't have the planet that sustains us, the air, the water, the food, you know, then it it's, it's all for naught. So we'll get into that probably part two, the next show. And yes, and Robin is still trying to join us and we just going to work with it. If we get two, <laughs> two seconds of Robin, two more seconds of Robin, that would be a great thing. That would be a great thing, but she'll be back. So we have here a member of the clean plate club from Patricia. Yes. We had a fat dog as he was slipped through by five kids. Ah, yes, we do. Mindful eating is my key for being centered. And then I feel better and have lost weight by eating a plant-based diet. Food is medicine. And I couldn't agree more. And so for, for me, I've, I've had, a, you know, a lot of points along my food journey, but where it came together for me professionally um, was in 2013 when I was asked to do a mind-body medicine group of, at a office of a uh, private uh, practice in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, which is renowned for its food desert. And the people there, the they had to qualify for the group. So their BMI had to be over 40, which would put them in the category of morbid obesity. And so I'll just read an excerpt from my group, which these words still resonate and they're very, very true for me. As each member disclosed about their struggles with food, a common theme emerged about the joy and comfort of food, love of sweets and comic ethnic roots with four of the five of us hailing from the Gula or Geechee culture, where food is not considered a meal unless rice is served with gravy. More than the rice and gravy, this food ties us to our cultural heritage, crossing oceans and tying us to our African ancestry. Lives and memories are built around the perfect preparation and presentation of rice with well-seasoned gravy served with a generous portion of cornbread on the side. It is more than mere comfort food. It is a sacrament that ties us to our family roots and symbolizes family bonding, family connection, and ancestral tribal memories. These tribal memories have recessed to a place beyond words, but the food calls forth something intangible, 
unspoken yet palpable, yet palpable in our hearts and souls. So how does one cut off a lifeline, even when one has identified that on certain levels, it is no longer good for you? And I think that's still the question as we bring this now food policy forward into our commuter, our greater community of Monmouth and Ocean counties. And I'll just remind everybody, if you are not speaking, keep yourself on mute. Just remember to unmute yourself and that way we don't have to struggle with so much echo or background noises. So Sharda, I'm going to go to you. If you would please tell our audience who and what is Lunch Break? And what is the mission of Lunch Break? And then I'm going to go right to Tracy and Courtney to talk a little bit about the Lunch Break food policy. Thank you. Uh, so Lunch Break, located in Red Bank, New Jersey, it started as a soup kitchen in 1990, sorry, 1983 and um, has grown since then. We started as a food kitchen, a soup kitchen, and then food pantry, clothing closet, and now we have a plethora of programs. Our mission at Lunch Break is to freely provide, as a caring community, freely provide food, clothing, life skills, fellowship to those members in need be in, within Monmouth County and beyond. So you're never going to get turned away for a meal, clothing, and if we can't provide that resource or if we don't provide that resource, we will help you find another resource that can, um, another agency that can help you find. And so our mission, along with providing food and clothing, is to help break the cycle of poverty, right? And to create sustainability, self-sufficiency within our families, within, it, within the individuals that we serve. So beautiful. So but, you know, why is that important? You know, why not, you know, let, let, you know, let the poor folks, you know, you know, stay, stay the poor folks. You know, why is that a, you know, why would that be important in a community that we, we try to bring everybody a little bit higher? So I believe in human rights. Um, and part of our mission is to provide our services with dignity everybody has an opportunity to, to survive in this world and, and to become who they, who, would, who they were created to be. So if we can help bring people out of their situations, their temporary situations into a better situation and grow, not only for themselves, but for the generations that come um, from that individual, then why not? Why can't we be that stepping stool um, to help people out of their situation into a better light? So I think it's important that we as lunch break, um, it's, it, you know, it's so many, I've been there for so many years and I've seen it grow. And it's so, um, and the work that we do at lunch break affects us all, right? Um, and it's important that people that don't know about what we do to come out and visit and at least volunteer for four hours, right? But to really grasp the understanding of how what we do has impacted our families for the for generations. Um, so we do what we do because it's part of our mission. You know, you've got to have community organizers helping other people at a ground level shine. But why is that important to the, the rich people in the community? Monmouth County is one of the wealthiest communities in the United States, so albeit the globe. So 
why? I mean, again, it's it's like, so we are helping someone who doesn't have access or someone who's struggling or someone who's underinsured. Why should that message be important to the people who have so much in our community? It's about paying forward, paying it forward to those people that don't have enough. Um, and leave, leading a life of service not only blesses you, you don't do it because you want to get blessed, but you do it because out of the kindness of your heart, this is what you're placed here on earth to do. So share your resources, share your blessings with other people so they can be, become a blessing to others. I hope I'm answering your question. Um, I was yes, go ahead, Courtney, jump in. Well, I was going to jump in. Just I love this phrase. When everyone does better, everyone does better. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'd say that to me, that's the answer. It's like, you know, there's no reason for a person who already has everything to care about this other than the fact that to expand their consciousness, that if they want to continue to be better, if they're looking for sustainability for themselves, their own ability to pass on intergenerational wealth, it is carried forward when we all do better. And that's absolutely everybody everybody, everybody that lives within your community, because we're talking about here in Monmouth County, some of the wealthiest people on the planet living within a 10, 15 minute drive of some people who are homeless in this area. So that, you know, you know, New Jersey being one of the densest states in the United States, but we're talking about this close proximity. So why isn't it that you know, this community, we can create a level playing field that's not going to take away from, you know, the one, 1%, 2% of the world's wealth, which is represented here. It's going to add even more value unto that while also providing and adding value to the people who are struggling, trying to get to first base. So Dr. Pence, who I wanted to say, yes. you know, um, last week, and I was working in the kitchen of lunch break, and I, a beautiful woman came up to the window. This is before the dining room was reopened. Uh, and uh, there was a choice of two meals. And she said to me um, the phrase, uh, beggars can't be choosers, um, which, you know, gutted me. And I said to her immediately, um, no, we all can ask for what we want. You know, we all need to ask for what we want. And what I love about lunch break and what I love about what we're going to be doing is getting that message across that just because you're in need doesn't mean you should be happy with whatever you get. You know, we want to empower people and we want them to know that they are worthy and they should be asking for everything they want. They should be getting access to the nutrition that they need, to uh, medical assistance, to good food. Uh, and we want to be able to help people understand that about themselves and give them a community where we're all there helping each other to do that. Which is Beautiful. why we love lunch break so much. I yes. I want to add something to what Tracy said because... Um, I so feel what you're talking about. And just in general, you don't want to live in a community. Uh, people who don't have what they need or want can create despair, hopelessness, frustration. And I don't want to live in that kind of, you know, that emanates that energy into the community. And so I just, 
I would call on anyone who's wondering how can I help in their community. We have the power to change that. And Hey Friend Foundation has helped a little bit in that regard. Yes. So let's talk about that. Hey Friend Foundation. And would you all please introduce the lunch break nutrition policy to our audience? (laughs) Okay. Well, I was going to start by just saying a little bit about how we ended up with a nutrition policy (laughs) and which was to say, and I think the message we want to get out to everybody today is that you can, you know, watch the news and you can get frustrated with um, the, the, with the government or where things, or with your community where you feel like things aren't getting done quickly enough. And it can get hard to um, sometimes stomach. And, and I think for us at Hey Friend, we just started to see things and we felt like, well, you know, we can see what a problem there is out there, but we're not doctors, we're not nutritionists. Um, so really, who are we to, to be able to help the problem? And I think after we got over those negative thoughts, we just said, you know what, let's just do, let's just keep going and doing and, 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 and trying to make a difference in whatever way we can. Um, and it, and it started before COVID where, um, you know, we were talking to, uh, Miss Love, Gwendolyn Love, who's the executive director of Lunch Break and talking to her about recognizing that, while we were feeding people, um, we also wanted to start to get them to understand about making uh, better choices with food, um, you know, which is something that we all need to, to know. But, um, you know, I, it, it started like that. And we were going to do a program um, with lunch break board members and staff and clients where we did a little health challenge. And it was just going to be a week. Um, and we knew how to do that because we had done it. So we, we got everything together to do that. And then COVID hit. And then, uh, so I called Miss Love and said, you know, it looks like we're not going to be able to do this. And this is the spirit that um, I, I want us all to engender. You know, Miss Love said, oh, no, no. You know, I, I told everybody we were going to do this. They're excited. And we're going to do something. So, you know, realizing the restraints we had, we ended up coming up with something even better. We did six months uh, of a program, a health program. Every two weeks we would meet. Uh, We would have a different speaker. Dr. Penn was one of our speakers. Um, We had doctors, nutritionists, um, psychiatrists or psychologists who told us about how to keep good habits. Um, We talked about sex. We talked about everything. And it was within a community that started to build. So we would have every two weeks uh, something like that. Chef Tyrone from Lunch Break would give us homework assignments of of healthy foods to eat. Um, And it culminated um, as the weather started to get warmer. We celebrated everything that we had done. We did a Zoom class together. And after it ended, we had created this sense within our little community that this was great and we needed to do even more. So we just started to do research to figure out, like, what does that look like? What's the next step? And maybe Courtney can take over because she started to do the research and really understand maybe the path that we should be taking going forward. So in researching, you know, on the internet, you can just be sent down all kinds of branches in different directions, but themes started popping up and I kept seeing that food banks were creating um, nutrition policies. And at first I sort of ignored it, 
Like, why do we need that? We don't need that. We're doing. And then I started to read some of them and I realized especially from Feeding America. I love this quote. People are probably sick of hearing me say it, but <laughs> on Feeding America's website, they had it was actually in one of the sample nutrition policies. It's no longer enough to feed our community. We must also nourish them. And it hit me and it hit me hard. Like, oh, look, we can't say those phrases, beggars can't be choosers anymore. And it connects even to my personal story I just said. As a child, I remember feel, feeling powerless and wanting access to something else to eat. I don't want to eat that liver on my plate. <laughs> my dog doesn't even want to eat that liver. And so when I, you know, we're thinking about it, we're like, just because you're in a financial, financially, you know, stressful situation right now, do you just have to accept anything? <laughs> You can't have any agency in this process. So anyway, and especially relating to healthful food, and especially if you're trying to feed your children and that's on your mind. And I got to thinking, this has to be a part of the journey. And so the realization was that this nutrition policy allows an organization to sort of have a roadmap, um, a direction and also kind of helps the staff make consistent decisions around procurement, donation, and just kind of have a thoughtful decision-making process. So, you know, the trick was we're an outside organization coming into lunch break and we don't want to feel like parental, here's what you should do. <laughs> so part of the journey was to create um Two, two groups. We created a working group that was actually going to be at all the meetings. It's a big time commitment. So not everyone could do that, but it consisted of um, lunch break staff members, board members. Um, we had to get some medical personnel that actually knows nutrition in and out. So we had um, Dr. Leopold from Hackensack Meridian and also two awesome nutritionists, Mary Brighton, and help me out, Tracy. Marissa Winters. Marissa Winters. Sorry, Marissa. <laughs> Lori Hager. Yes. Lori Hager. Yeah. And we had um, a variety of active community members as well, right? And so we formed this group and we did it. We got it done. <laughs> mm -hmm. We created a policy and we have since sent out the final draft of it. But our next move, Charter, do you want to talk about the next step in the process, the focus groups? I don't want to hog all the limelight. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Because I think the focus group is a little sh has shifted I don't, um, as, since we uh, met last. But I think we discussed having focus groups with the staff members at lunch break to get a basis uh, or to get a foundation so that we can implement that into the policy before it goes to the board and give real data um, about why it, it only strengthens our, our request, right, to, for this, to move this for, uh, program forward. So really it's going to capture, the purpose of the focus group is to capture for them because our staff members, our, my coworkers are going to be the ambassadors of this program. They're the ones that are facing the community. We're the ones that are interacting with our donors, with our clients. So if we aren't going to buy into it, then nobody else, we can't sell it, right? Because it doesn't come from within. Um, so the, the first step is to have a focus group to really understand 
um, and how to implement the program within the staff and and let you know let's see where it goes from there but that's the whole purpose of the focus group and i think we also have a a responsibility right yes. as a community organizer we have a responsibility to take care of the people that we serve not only um the clients but are also our staff and so as that responsibility it's important that it's holistic and i think Courtney and Tracy and the team have done a, a tremendous job, an excellent job of presenting this to, um, to lunch break. And it's been a delight working with you guys. Yeah. So, and, and you, again, you, we're talking about having the focus groups and you use that word lit again, Charter, so they can be lit from within and because it's not about forcing people it is about facilitated conversations and also being able to be the example and robin we're so glad you persevered and you're back <laughs> with us so we have a, yeah. um, a statement here from so patrick i have to say he is incredible he's working with a a out with a community and project near and dear to my heart, Eskenazi Hospital System, which was the first hospital system in the United States to really take on becoming a mind-body medicine facility. And so grateful this is how I met Patrick through my work with the Center for Mind-Body Medicine and also the forethinking of a great female chief um, medical officer, Dr. Lisa Harris. So Patrick is saying, growing up a member of the Clean Plate Club. So Courtney, we got your Clean Plate Club right here in the audience. <laughs> also, when mom didn't want to put a piece of fruit or something, she would tell me, um, I had a room for that little bit. Now today I'm working with an integrative medicine doctor. Now as a second opinion to endocrinology doctor. He examined me, asked what my goals were, and then stated he would help me with treatment, but had to do a strict 45-day diet first. Gave up sodas and caffeine. Get two meals a day, each consisting of one serving of fruit, eight ounces of vegetables. And I can tell you that uh, he is a first-time donor to lunch break, and he has been donating all year to lunch break every time he loses a pound. Ah! So we're grateful. And we thank Patrick. And he's been donating in my mother's name. So again, you know, we're just, you know, we're, you know, the national reach, the national and then the global reach. We're going to get this all going for sure. Um, Rebecca saying, each of you are inspiring. Thank you for sharing your stories around food nourishment and healthy programs for those who wouldn't otherwise have access to this information and food. And, and that's, you know, was my hope that this would be the resonance of today. And um, so Robin, I'm going to pitch this next one to you. So in the statement of purpose in our nutrition policy for food procurement and programming, we've, we've also, we've, you know, had a couple of people, you know, that statement came out earlier today, beggars can't be choosers. And one viewer who says this, I volunteered at a food bank for a while and was appalled at what people would donate. So Lunch Break is committed to providing access to nutrient-dense and minimally processed whole food options so that we may not just feed, but also nourish our clients, our community, and our planet. 
We feel it is our responsibility to empower our clients to live healthier lives by increasing their access to nutritious food. This nutrition policy communicates to clients, local partner programs, and agencies, donors, and the broader community that we are committed to creating a food environment conducive to optimal health. This policy will improve the health of our community by allowing us to enhance our existing programming, inspire our clients and provide them agency over their health and the health of their families, reflecting the culinary cultures of our diverse community and creating generational habits of good nutrition. I say that statement, it's, it saves my life. It's part of the legacy that I want to in, engage in. And so Robin, what does that statement say to you? What does it do to your life and your, your purpose in life? Well, I think in the opportunity to be a part of Lunch Break, the family, the community, you have the chance to speak one-on-one -on -one with our clients. Um, I do meal delivery to shut-in seniors, um, the time in the dining room where we can speak one-on-one -on -one with our clients. And at the end of the day, Lunch Break has one mission, and it's basically to serve our clients. And by serve, whether that's meals, um, a closeness in um, bringing forth the community, having a dialogue, and when I hear that statement, um, though I try to channel Dr. Pin, Miss Love, Tracy, the Zen of um, answering respectfully, uh, part of me, like, why should we be doing anything different for our clients than we do for ourselves? If you really believe and the passion and love is to be here and help them with their food insecurity, health and wellness, why should that be anything different? So if you're here to serve for the right purpose, that statement really should not enter your mind. And so I think in having dialogue, open communication, being able to, um, for those who question that, have um, this policy behind us, it took so much work, thought, and time. We went to medical professionals, nutritionists, this is not um, a group of people on a soapbox. Um, I'm always very careful when I speak of um, my plant-based diet because I don't pass judgment and there's not, I'm, I'm not trying to force that on anyone. So whether that's a plant-based diet, a healthy diet, trying to get sugar, sodium, things out of your food or offering other opportunity, again, when you're in that community, why should it be any different? And what I love about lunch break, it brings the opportunity for us to have those discussions one-on-one -on -one with our clients, with our um, volunteers, our sponsors, because it's going to be our donors and our sponsors that we really need to speak to so that they understand this mission. And it's not, it really doesn't have to increase the pocketbook. And I, I don't think people understand that. So I truly believe with further dialogue, open, um, as Sharda spoke about the focus groups, we want to be there with our people on the front line so that um, they see within our community that every goal we have in mind is to prolong the health, wellness, safety of our clients. That's the mission. 
Oh, beautifully and so beautifully said, Robin. Thank you so much for taking time out of your mission-driven travel this morning. To, <laughs> sorry, to, I'm sorry, I got disconnected. That's all right, to, to share this wisdom with us. So we have here from Dr. Kathy. Dr. Kathy Farrar is based in Wisconsin. She is she is my my partner. We're joined together the HIP and our activism to end racism globally. And we have been speaking all across the United States. We were co-presenting at a conference yesterday on ending racism. And so she's thanking us for our efforts to nourish our community. And, you know, so Dr. Kathy, this is about transforming not only our community, but transforming communities all across the United States. And I would say across the globe, why not? What do we got to lose? And then say that this could be transformation for humanity. And it's something that we can all unite around. We all need to eat. And what are we eating? And more importantly, understanding what's eating you. So it is tied together, mind, body, and spirit. We have a question from Patricia. And this is the question that a lot of people are going to be asking, right? So what are the top healthiest foods you'd like donated? Is lunch break accepting clothes now? And how can I volunteer? So who'd like to jump in and take that? <laughs> I'll take that. Thank you, Patricia Brennan. Thank you. So I would say um, perishable items like fruits and vegetables are always good. Uh, you've got your brown rice, your lentil pasta, beans, um, your healthier choice of breads, your healthier cereals. So things that aren't high, highly saturated with sugar or in sugar. Is lunch break accepting clothing? At the moment, we're not. We're not accepting clothing um, from the public at the moment. But stay tuned because that policy is going to change shortly. And how can you volunteer? Go on our website, lunchbreak.org. Click on volunteer. It'll take you to a web page. Um, read that and then click complete the application. And Angela Jackson, our volunteer coordinator, will reach out to you. And we are looking for volunteers if anybody's listening and has time. For Thanksgiving, um, we are open on Thanksgiving Day. We have a Thanksgiving dinner from 10.30 to uh, 2.30 p.m. And then Christmas Day, we have a brunch. So we are looking for volunteers if you're interested. Thank you. Thank you. Could I add something to the volunteer part? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, right now we are very much in the beginning of this nutrition initiative. And part of the reason, you know, we're very excited to be here today is this has been a collaboration of different people in our community. And all those people have been able to add so much to the discussion. And so it's exciting to be here in front of your audience today, Dr. Carroll, because we know there's just a lot of ideas out there. And we are looking for those ideas and those involvements. Um, and so that is another way um, to be a part of what we're talking about today. Wonderful, wonderful. And let me see here. I need to hide this one and bring this. I love, I love technical challenges. So 
<laughs> I will just share. I will just share this because there we go. So Patrick is saying, thank you for providing healthy food as an option for your clients. Sadly, the lower cost food are normally heavily processed, starchy or high in sugar carbs, filling, but leading to obesity and potential other health issues. I would love to visit sometime and assist in person in any capacity. Be blessed always. And yes, you know, Patrick, Shay, Jep, Home Red Bank has a bedroom waiting for you. We are definitely going to be introducing you to the lunch break community. We're going to get you here. Just let me know when you want to come. And so, you know, the policy does go into and defined uh, healthy foods. And part of the education process that we're engaging in is helping people to understand that when the diet is com com comprised of processed substances and beverages, masquerading is food. A lot of what we, we buy or what people buy of whatever economic stratosphere you're in is 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 substance that's masquerading as food it's not food the food industry has done a brilliant job with marketing and doing the things with colorings and flavors and particularly fats and sugars which trigger certain parts of our central nervous system to crave them more to keep us you know coming back from for more and more and more and unfortunately it's in cahoots with the pharmaceuticals and it, it, it yeah there's a lot of food evil in the world that's been perpetrated by the food industry and a lot of the obesity that we're seeing so we've you know you know, there's stuff going in the body. If you look at the United States and what's happening with our kids and our adult population, we also see what's happening globally, but it's not nutrient dense food. It is causing harm. It is causing inflammation. 90% of diseases that we call diabetes, that we call heart disease, that we call hypertension have their root in inflammation. And that diet, pretty like the sad standard American diet, will cause inflammation leading to these deleterious disease processes. And it can show up as cancers in different parts of the body. It shows up as diabetes. It shows as a coronary artery disease and venous diseases. And this is what, you know, we're up against. This is what we're, we're fighting. So I do want, and I'll go out and want to say it. Soda is not a beverage. It's a constructed, you know, it's filled with sugar and sugar at a certain level is a neurotoxin. Nobody should drink soda. I'll just go ahead. I'll take that one. I'll take that on the chin for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just make that statement. And that's one of my pet peeves when I see, you know, a parent giving a toddler soda. A lot of these little, you know, drinks that are, you know, the color red and, you know, you can get them, you know, real, real cheap. If you look at the ingredients, first of all, you can't read any of the ingredients and you see it's dye and sugar. It's liquid, but it's not truly a beverage. It doesn't fit the definition of food. And you remember our definition of food is the process of providing or obtaining the food necessary for health and growth. That soda and that red colored liquid in that plastic container, which is also leaking all kinds of poisons into the beverage itself, is not a food. It's not a beverage. 
So and this is this is the information that we need to for people to understand. I want to just jump in real quick, Dr. Penn. I want to give a shout out. I believe it's called Old Ways. Um, this is a website that I went on and it kind of tackles the misconception that eating in a healthful way is more expensive. You know, you think Whole Foods, I have to buy all this beautiful, you know, packaged food. But the reality is this takes it back to different cultures all over the world, going back to sort of ancient ways of eating, introducing um, ancient grains, often with a legume, a bean. Um, but the other thing I want to point out that was in there is he put sugar slash carbs, and we need to save the healthy carb from that part of the conversation because <laughs> carbs are not evil unto themselves, right? We don't want the heavily processed ones, but the whole grain carbs we want, and we want in plenty, right? And so if you get a chance, I hope I'm doing this right. It's called Old Ways, and it's a really cool way to look back. Um, I was sharing it with a friend, and she goes, that's peasant eating. And I'm like, yeah, they were eating healthy. <laughs> and then they tried to eat high, you know, high on the hog. And that didn't mm -hmm. go well. <laughs> That's where that By the way, if you ever get a chance to do look at that Netflix special, High on the Hog, it is fabulous. It traces indigenous ways of, of eating, you know, back to the continent of Africa and what those original diets actually look like before coming here. It's just, it's, it's a fabulous, fabulous. So two more comments and then we're going to close out. So Rebecca, if you take a look at Gatorade, there are dyes in there that are cancer causing agents. One of my clients had allergic reactions in the form of raging. When we figure that out and he cut those drinks of dyes out, his rages stopped. It's that powerful. Yeah. Food mm -hmm. is medicine. And lastly, Victoria, this resonates with some of the indigenous tribes in the Senegambian region where the diet is one of the leading causes of diabetes and hypertension. A lot of oily foods and high carb diets. This is something to think about as a part of my nonprofit discussions will definitely follow soon. Yes, they, yes, they will, Victoria. Yes, they will. As we go forward with the work with the medical school in the in the Gambia, which is a little country tucked inside of Senegal, one of my favorite parts of the world, and hopefully will be part-time home to me in the not too distant future. All right, you all, it is time to say goodbye and thank you. And you guys, you know, we have to come back. We just scratched the surface today, right? So I'm going to be sending those dates. We're going to meet backstage for like five minutes in the green room. I want to thank all of you for just being lit from within. Your lights are shining even more brightly as we wrap up today's conversation, as we deepen our bonds and learn to to understand each other more. And I just feel my heartstrings just grown, the love and the compassion for all of you and for the community that we serve, which is the global community. We're, We're acting globally and thinking globally. So thank you to Lunch Break and to Lunch Break's executive director, Gwendolyn Love, and to the board of trustees. Thank you to, hey, friend. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and the stewards for their vision. Thank you. 
Thank to, you. It's never enough time in. with you, Dr. Penn. It's yes, never enough. Yes, yes. And for all that you do, if you just looking at the, you know, this woman's heart when you look at the boards that she serves on. You know, so just a totally mission driven person with a heart that's as big as the universe goes beyond the globe. So we thank everybody. We're going to sign off now. Brazil Hamilton is going to play us off and we'll see you next Sunday for the final show in season six with Dr. Vivian Caminos, an integrative cardiologist serving here in this community. And we're going to learn all about how we take better care of our hearts. All right, so here we go. Thank you. So next week. Greatness, greatness. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You work away Just If only they can see it Going through your paces It's amazing Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces.